Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first joint podcast with Wendell's Marks and the New Jersey Canna Business Association, brought to you by us here at the Knowledge Group as we cover the future of the cannabis industry and its legalization. We'll be hearing from Carl Frederick, a partner at Wendell's Marks. We'll also hear from Scott Rudder, a president at the NJCBA, and Tara Sargente, executive director also at the NJCBA. Links to their social media profiles and much more can be found in the description box, along with a link to Tara's Trailblazing podcast. And without further ado, we'll turn it over to Carl to lead us off on today's conversation. Welcome to the first joint podcast of the New Jersey Cannabis Association and Windell's Marks Lane in Mittendorf. Uh, I am Carl Frederick, uh, the chair of the Windell's Marks Cannabis Practice Group, and we have here today uh, the president of the New Jersey Cannabis Association, Scott Rutter, and uh, the executive director of the New Jersey Cannabis Association, Tara Mizu Sargente. Uh, we're going to um, give an update on uh, what's going on in New Jersey with respect to uh, adult-use cannabis, medical cannabis, and hemp, and give a similar update for the state of New York, and then talk a little bit about the business environment around the cannabis industry. Um, so, Scott, if you'd like to start us off with the uh, New Jersey update. Sure. Um, uh, thanks, Carl. And, uh, yeah, so I'm Scott Rudder, New Jersey Cannabis Association. Uh, we started the uh, we started the New Jersey Cannabis Association, Carl, like around three years ago. You've been involved from the beginning. Um, the whole idea here was New Jersey at the time didn't have a uh, uh, didn't have a trade association for the cannabis industry. So we wanted to help create that to help advocate for patients, help set the groundwork for an infrastructure for businesses. Um, so that's what we've been doing for the past couple of years. Now, as you know, we were trying very hard to get uh, cannabis legalization done through the legislative process. Uh, that didn't happen. Uh, we couldn't get there. There's a lot of a lot of uh, divisiveness going on in Trenton. Uh, a lot of battles being being uh, fought on various issues, cannabis and otherwise. Um, so the decision was made by the legislative leadership to put this on the ballot for 2020. So right now, what we're doing is ramping up for a ballot question uh, in the, on November 3rd this year. Um, but we were able to do some really good stuff. You know, we were able to expand the medical program and do some other really positive things. Tara uh, here. Uh, was very integral uh, in developing that legislation with the bill sponsors, people like Assemblyman Joe Danielson and Jamel Holly and others. Um, so that's what we've been doing um, for the past couple of years. Uh, I'm turn it over to Tara. She could introduce herself and a little bit about what she's doing. Hi. So um, my name is Tara Sargenti, otherwise known as Tara Masu, which uh, I've been in the industry for over a decade now. And when I started, my uh, my lawyer told me not to use my real name. Carl was not my lawyer back then, <laughs> but still good advice. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's been a really interesting journey. There's some exciting things going on with business right now. Um, obviously, one thing on a lot of people's minds is capital. And, uh, you know, things are getting better. We, with the NJCBA, we've had a bank come online recently. We're seeing tons of progress. You know, back when I started, I've been practically escorted out of banks when they found out what I did. And we've come full circle from that where there's, you know, actually excitement and the green rush and all that. But um, we still see a lot of capital, I feel, going to the wrong operators, which is a shame. Um, a, a personal thing I've been realizing recently is 97% of all venture capital goes to straight white males, which is a shame because there, there's so many other creative entrepreneurs. And we're pouring a lot of money into the typical businesses, the corporations who are not 
where this foundation of cannabis was built. And we're giving it to people who genuinely don't know what we're doing. And that's why we have these hyped over expectations of stocks and cannabis businesses that we're seeing fail now. And they're blaming the industry. And that breaks my heart because this is an industry I care about greatly. And when we put it in the hands of people who don't know what they're doing, quite frankly, it seems that cannabis is failing, which is not the truth. We just need to put it in the hands of the people who are going to get it to succeed and get it across the finish line. That's why I was so happy to be involved in this legislative process, because I I think we do need people who've lived it, who've experienced it. I I feel so privileged to work with Scott and, you know, inform anyone I can in the state of New Jersey of where I think cannabis should be heading. Yeah, I I think, and and to that point, Tara, and Carl, you know this, Tara was... If when you look at how the the on at least on the on the medical side, so the new legislation and, and creating different tiers for folks to to get involved a little bit a little bit easier, right? And and uh, take some down down some of those barriers. Uh, and Tara, you know, you were a huge part of making sure that that was in the legislation. So when we talk about the industry, and before we get into the legislative developments, I think it's worth talking briefly and addressing what's been called the vaping crisis. And I think what's happened is there's been a fair amount of confusion between flavored nicotine vaping and the risks to youth from products, nicotine-based products that are out in the market from major companies such as Juul and Blue versus uh, cannabis vaping products that are put out by legitimate companies, um, for example, Planet 13 in Nevada, and are processed in accordance with uh, industry standards, and then the vaping products that have been produced on the black market. I think it's important to understand that the it's the black market vaping products, and this is supported by a recent report from the CDC, that are the ones that are the cause of the problems, and particularly the introduction of vitamin E acetate, which has no business being in any product um, for human smoking consumption. The products that are out there that that are in the sold in cannabis dispensaries, again, are produced in in New Jersey through the vertically integrated process and are subject to strict standards. But that confusion has added an improper kind of taint um, to the cannabis industry. So I think it should be... You know, it's interesting, too, because, you know, because of that, right? So, you know, as you were saying, the you know, the, the vaping crisis and what happened there. You know, we have thousands of people who were impacted by the vaping crisis, dozens of deaths. And, and all, as you're pointing out, the CDC reported that most, if not all, of those deaths are associated with counterfeit, illegal, black market uh, cannabis vape cartridges. It has nothing to do with any of the legal products that are sold. You look at the, in New Jersey and the other legal states that produce vape cartridges, uh, none of those folks have been injured. They, they meet a higher standard of what the ingredients are in. There's testing involved. There's protocols involved. There's quality assurance involved. That what was really interesting is see how that was the major issue, the black market vapes, counterfeit stuff that you got from, you know, a lot of that, those products actually came from China, at least the metallics came from China. Uh, the acetate added to the oil happened in places like Chicago, in apartment complexes, very bad stuff, right? But what they really tackled, what they really tackled was the e-cigarettes, which is interesting. Because in that case, it really wasn't the issue with what was affecting the vape cartridges, but vapes got all put into the same bucket. Right. And now we're starting to break that out. I think it's very important for patients. Because if you're a patient, if you're an adult consumer and, and or a patient uh, in the legal markets, it's really important that if you know that that's going to be your best vehicle for your medicine. 
that you want to have that and you want to make sure it's quality assurance is involved. And so that vague crisis was actually a scream, it's a cry for legalization to have those standards in place, to have the testing and quality assurances in place, and to ensure that licensed holders are producing products and meeting uh, uh, state guidelines and hopefully soon federal guidelines on what it takes to have an ingestible product, whether it's an edible or oil or otherwise. Uh, Scott, you're so right on that. It's um, This vape crisis has been so mismanaged. It, it's ridiculous. The, the first rush everyone went to was vaping bans, and, and that's the most ridiculous response. Because when you enact a ban with alcohol prohibition, what did that lead to? People making illegal gin and bathtubs and going blind. And that's what the states that did enact bans, um, we drove the black market. We're going in complete opposite direction of progress, which is incredibly frustrating. And you, you even heard on the news people having, and that's when it went into the nicotine world, where, you know, turn in your vaporizer and get a free, I don't know, like a pizza or something. People were having ridiculous promotions. And it's like, no, um, those are people who were getting off cigarettes and it was harm reduction. It's harm reduction. Exactly. And we're creating this, you know, witch hunt that is completely irrational. Even when we're talking about vaporizing cannabis, it's harm reduction. When you're combusting leaf, you're heating it over 700 degrees that releases TARS, carcinogens, benzene. When you're vaporizing a cartridge between two, maybe over 300 degrees, you're uh, first off the process has been purified. As you talk about when it's going through a regulated market, it's tested for residual solvents, pesticides. We're creating the healthiest products. And what we're doing is we're banning the regulated healthy products and pushing people towards unsafe black market. That's crazy. So, so the takeaway, as usual, is ignore the hysteria and take a deep look at what's really going on. And the, take, and the further takeaway is that the the mainstream response to the vape process, the vape crisis, has been counterproductive, and the real answer lies in legalization and imposition of uniform industry standards. Yeah, regulation, right? You know, and, and that's what they find. That's what they found in Colorado. Regulations work. Education works. And so, you know, as we've been crisscrossing the state, talking to legislators, talking to community leaders, just talking to parents, and you know, in a supermarket. Um, Top concern is teenage use, and what they found in, in Colorado and across the country, uh, teenage use is going down. Uh, you know, which is counterintuitive for a lot of folks, but actually makes sense because what you've done is you've taken this cool hip thing that's sort of counterculture, and you've made it part of regular culture, and you've put testing and protocols in place. You have regulation and education, so so people in general are looking for healthier options. I mean, that's been a phenomenal new trend, regardless of cannabis, for the past many years. Um, but when you're starting to see substantive things like teen use going down in high schools, that's an important statistic, and that's only happening when you have something where you're coupling regulations and education and enforcement. And I think that's when we get to that point here, whether here in New Jersey, you're getting to New York, or at the federal level, I think that's where you're going to see the positive change. And to your point earlier, Carl, the hysteria should not be driving the policy. Um, so what, they're, what, they've, what they've enacted thus far, I don't think it's going to change anything. Uh, it's going to put some small business people out of business who have been compliant with the law when the law previously existed, and then they added these new regulations. So I don't know. I just, I, it, for me, it was really important that we bifurcate the issue there's medicinal cannabis and adult use cannabis where vape cartridges are very beneficial, less harm, less foul. Um, and like I said, so let's um, let's shift over to what's going on 
in New Jersey right now with respect to uh, adult use marijuana, medical marijuana, and hemp. And maybe we can start off with um, the uh, latest developments in the uh, current application process. Oh, it's all gone to crap. <laughs> no, I um, I think this has been the most hopeful time. I'm so excited about what's going on. Um, you know, and, and obviously, Sky, I didn't mean to jump in. I no. just, I'm just trying to be funny. But um, do you keep trying? I know. One of these days, I'm going to succeed. <laughs> no, but it it really is an exciting time because we've had progress, and I, I I've said again and before, you know, it's everyone wants everything right away, but we're making progress. It's not perfect. Um. But we have new dispensaries opening. We have new licenses issues. We have a round that's in the works. And we are one of the first three states now to have hemp applications out, which is great. Um, you know, I, myself, other people who have been applicants, 300-page documents, lawyers love them. You need a, a lot of legal advice to get them done, you know, the consultants, the accountants. But for the little guy, it's a big undertaking. And um, you spend six figures to get it done. Now we have a hemp application. That's 10 pages and 50 bucks. And, and, and you can go. I know, how about that? We talk about, uh, and you could go live the dream and get a license. Yeah, no, that, that is pretty neat. And it is um, it is exciting on the hemp side, too. We'll get back into the cannabis, but it is exciting, right? I mean, we, yeah. we have a, um, we, you know, we have, we're one of three, as you said, that were approved by the, the USDA to have a hemp program that was approved by the federal government under the new, under the Farming Act. Um and right now, there's just a huge buzz on what's going to be going on and, and when can farmers do this, what are the rules and regulations. So we have an event coming up uh, on the 29th. We have another event coming up specifically in April um, where we're going to bring in the Secretary of Agriculture. We're going to have the, the, the experts there. We're going to bring in the farmers. We're going to be bringing in folks uh, talking about CBD and other things. I mean, that's, you know, that's something that people can do right now. Getting in the hemp industry at some level, we're talking about CBD, we're talking about products made from hemp, we're getting into the ancillary business or even brokering deals. I mean, there's so many different things that we can do on the hemp side that's legal today. And that's what's really sort of creating the buzz right now. Is, look, we, we have a ballot question in, in, in November, on November 3rd this year. It's going to be a big issue. It's going to be a major undertaking. We feel very confident on the outcome. But that's still going to push any, any other activity on the adult use side to 2021. So what we're telling people today is, look, as Tara was saying, the medicinal market is expanding. We had two dispensaries opened up just this year right now in 2020. So we went from five when we first started to six, and now we have eight operations, uh, eight operating uh, uh, vertical license holders here in New Jersey. And then, as Tara was saying, you know, we have these other 36 licenses that are sort of in waiting right now, going through a re review process. And so, bam, within the next couple of weeks, may, may take another month, there's a lawsuit involved. Um, but once those licenses are issued, all of a sudden we've gone from, from 8 to 30, to 42, and, and we're going to probably expect to see another round of medical this year. And if that happens, and that's going to segue right into the adult use. So we're going from hemp across the board right now, expansion to medical, and then adult use going into uh, to 2021. I want to add an important point about hemp, which there are two big impediments to progress, at least two. Um, in state marijuana legislation, which are federal taxation, obviously federal prohibition, but federal taxation and federal banking regulations. And another um, barrier to entry in, has been put aside in, the hemp, in, in, in hemp banking because we now have guidance from the federal banking regulators that hemp 
the hemp industry can be banked and banking services are, can be available just like they would be for any other agricultural commodity. I will note, however, though, that that guidance has only come out within the past four to six weeks. So that when we have clients who are actually going to set up their hemp businesses, there's still trouble finding banks because the regulations haven't trickled, trickled through the system into the and been internalized by the banks. So my experience has been that um, hemp industry participants who seek banking services are being pushed into the MRB bankers uh, and being treated, at least initially, as marijuana businesses. And that needs to change and should change yeah. as the regs trickle through. Well, and, and I think that's you're seeing a lot of banks who have that opportunity are, are, are hesitant still, right? Because they, look, you know, right now the USDA says hemp is, it, it, hemp is cannabis, right? So we all just acknowledge it. So it's the same plant. It's the THC level, and every, most people know that. So, hemp, so cannabis is hemp when it's 0.3% THC or less. The USDA has allowed sort of some wiggle room up to 0.5% um, and still be valid. But what banks are concerned about is what about that batch that hit 1%, you know, 0.8% or something like that. And then they're, all of a sudden they're not banking hemp, they're banking cannabis. And so that's a concern. Well, that's one of the reasons why we're very excited um, to announce, you know, our partnership with BCB Bank uh, based in, in Bayonne, New Jersey. But they have... They have 30-plus uh, branches in New Jersey and also into New York. Um, and so they're banking right now cannabis customers. They're banking hemp customers. And so that's a great place for people to go. But what you're saying, like, at the federal level, where this is all going to come to fruition at some point, they have the Safe Banking Act, which has been passed out of the House of Representatives, and it's sitting in the Senate right now. But the chairman of the Senate Banking uh, Committee, uh, Mike Crapo, he's a senator, he's from uh, um, Idaho, or Indiana, he's from Idaho. Wouldn't be from Idaho. No. <laughs> but uh, the chairman of the, banking, uh, the, the, the Senate Banking Committee, he said the other day, he said recently that all these, the, the impeachment process is slowing everything down. He's something that he wanted to get done and start having hearings on in the fall of uh, 2019, and here we sit, you know, almost at the end of January, nothing's moved on the Senate side because of all the distractions. And Tara could, could attest to this. Nothing but frustration when politics gets involved with things other than cannabis and, and how that impacts us here in New Jersey. Now we're starting to see that at the federal level. For sure. And I, I think you almost give them a little too much credit for being logical when you talk about discrimination um, for banks, payment processing, insurance, all these other areas. Um, not everyone is vetting their client and saying, oh, this plant tested hot, you were over the legal limit. People are just still seeing boogeymen and yeah. saying, oh, right. cannabis, bad, we don't want to work with you. You know, my product, for, for example, for the past decade is a brownie mix with no active ingredients um, and until recently didn't even contain CBD. Now we have a CBD version. But I've had people discriminate just on, they go to the homepage and they leave and that's it. And they don't want to hear anymore. Anything else you say, you're just blacklisted. And I've been blacklisted through four payment processors. And this is an even ancient history. Just last year, um, Elevon was a major, they took on all these CBD clients. They made their mark in the cannabis space. And then they got scared and pulled out. So even the high risk processors, you know, are fair weather. And it's still a major problem. Um, it's Square or Stripe, one of them recently came online, but they're and they're on a six-week wait just to get a conversation to have your yeah. payments processed. So it's still challenging, but the people who come on, and it's still early, the people who come on early are going to see the benefit of it. 
And, and, and you will find a bank. I mean, like we said, we have our, our we have one of our partners, at BCB Bank. Um, no matter where you're located, there, there's you're, you're going to find a bank. It's just you're not going to do traditional banking the way that you want to. And until we see it, uh, well, it becomes more common with uh, hemp and CBD. But again, for law enforcement, has the same complaint. I mean, if you walk up with a bag of hemp or smoking a hemp, you know, a hemp joint, if you will, free roll, uh, you know, that's something that's completely legal to do. But if cop sees you doing it, then he's going to have questions, and then you're going to be arrested for a period of time until they test it. And so that confusion, I think, uh, will help. That confusion law enforcement, they don't want to deal with that part. You know, I've talked to a lot of police officers uh, about this throughout the years. They, they really don't want to deal with this. They, don't, they, they, they see it as a very minor issue. Now, I'm, going to talk about, I'm talking about cannabis, but then you start to factor in hemp, and then it becomes problematic. So are they going to, if someone is enjoying a hemp free roll, and they're, I, you know, and which they're allowed to do, and they can allowed to do it in their car. That you're not going to get intoxicated, you're not going to get impaired. What's an officer going to do? And and that's going to create confusion. Or you're at an event, or you're walking down the street, whatever it might be. So that's therein lies part of the challenge. But I think that's going to help expedite legalization, because now that we're going to have this sort of blending between hemp and cannabis, where we're talking about law enforcement, we're talking about banking or other issues, um, that blend is going to is going to want. It's going to force legislators to have to make a decision at the federal level um, on this issue. That's great. And that's a, a good segue, Scott. I mean, uh, predictions are always difficult, but I think we can see a pretty... I've been 100% correct every time. <laughs> well, that's important. So being 100% correct, how do we see uh, a New Jersey rollout of adult <laughs> use? Well, I... I feel very confident we're going to get it done in uh, on the ballot November 3rd, 2020. So we're going to pass it right. on, on the ballot in November. Right. So then what happens next? So uh, with the help of uh, folks like Tara, we, um, we had legislation that was crafted with, the, you know, with obviously the bill sponsors and Joe Danielson and these other uh, Senate and Assembly members who sponsored legislation um, on, for the adult use side. When that started to pause and there was a need to move forward on the medical side, they took a lot of the language from the adult use. And one of those things was the creation of the Cannabis Regulatory Commission, the CRC. While it's currently overseeing, uh, well, it still needs to be populated, still needs to be, um, you know, the, the folks that need to be established in that organization still need to be established. But we now have an infrastructure in place that's going to regulate the, uh, the, the medical and future adult use. There's also language that we've been debating, you know, that includes amazing things, you know, social justice uh, components in there, good business practice components in there, opportunities for, for women, minorities, and service-disabled veterans to take advantage of new programs and new spe special licenses. All that stuff that's been debated that's still there right now um, in, the new in the adult use bill that's been sort of been put on the back burner. But once we pass it in November, once we get into January 2021, that you... It passes November, then you need to have the implementing language. We're very fortunate that the, that the language we have right now that was in the previous bill, it's been there, it's been debated, so this should be a very quick action. It happens in the very early part of 2021, and that's important for us because of what New York might be doing. Right. So do you expect that we're going to see adult-use cannabis initially um, sold through the existing dispensary system? Yeah. I think that's, that, that's a smart way to do it, right? So you have... These existing license holders are out there. They're proven. They're vetted. Uh, and that's one of the best ways. I mean, Tara, what do you yeah. think? No, absolutely. I, and that was in some of the legislation um, that they would be grandfathered in because, and, and that's typically what's done in most states, is you take the people who already have an established system 
and you get the product out as quickly as possible. And um, I, I think we're, you know, we're doing really great. We're going to be on schedule. You know, if you think about it, would you say that New Jersey was one of the earlier states to the union? Yes, we were on the flag when it was just a little circle of stars, right? So we were in the top 13. We're going to be in the top 13 to legalize as well. Likely. Yeah, like that, right? Yeah, right? So, I mean, we're still a really early adopter. So, and the legislation we have is great. Um, Illinois was right before us. And from what I've heard, they largely took what we wrote and implemented it. Yeah. And they're doing fabulously. That's so, a fun fact. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I think, you know, we're, we're looking at such a great year ahead. We're going to be early. We're still going to be, you know, one of the, the golden childs of the country to get cannabis adult use underway. And we have some great legislation to implement the program. Yeah, I think the... the the New Jersey, New York market will will eclipse any other space in the country um, as a singular market. Mm-hmm. I agree. And speaking of New York, we should probably touch on what's going on across the river. Um, with respect to hemp, uh, New York late last month uh, adopted a very robust hemp program. And the important piece of it is that they developed very uh, strict requirements for manufacturing manufacturing labeling and advertising uh, CBD products for consumer awareness and protection. CBD is still cannot be uh, infused into edible products or soft drinks, but it can still be used in the, under New York law as a dietary supplement. So the regulations on that side are still moving forward, and it's quite likely that New York State, in adopting these strict manufacturing and production rules, is going to become an industry leader in CBD, particularly for CBD products produced on the East Coast. Uh, with respect to adult use cannabis, uh, adult use, revenue from adult use is being put into the Cuomo budget that's coming up, and there's going to be a very strong push in New York State to get adult use done uh, in the first quarter of 2020. Um, a big piece of that debate isn't so much whether or not to bring adult use online, but uh, how the social comp- justice component works and also how the um, tax revenue is utilized. And those were the two big debates that stalled the bill uh, in Albany last year. The other problem that New York State is going to have to overcome is that the uh, physicians lobby as well as the Law enforcement lobby are very strongly against um, the legislation, and they're going to have to be reckoned with uh, to get that legislation through. You know, I, I think the um, what they're doing in New York is, is what they're experiencing in New York. So they, Governor Cuomo really started this legalization of the adult use process a year ago, right? Yep. Uh, and the issues that they're dealing with are the same issues we're dealing with in New Jersey. A big you know, when, when legalization was happening in, in places like Colorado and Washington State, the first two, uh, the demographics there are different. You know, we have, you know, we have this, uh, you know, cultural melting pot here in the New York, New Jersey region. We have people from all over the planet who come here. Uh, they live here. You know, they move here. They immigrate here. Uh, we have multiple generations in all different categories. So, so uniquely in this in this area, diversity has become a major issue, and we want to make sure that things are getting done in a fair and compliant and inclusive manner. I think that's what New York, that's what we're experiencing in New Jersey, we experienced, and that's what New York has been going through as well. Because in addition to getting through 
the information, whether you're talking to law enforcement or doctors or whatever, and providing them facts and information on the medical use and medical efficacy and the benefits of ending prohibition, you're still getting into, okay, that's fine, but the foundation of Canada's prohibition was founded on racism and greed. How do we correct that? How do we address the fact that New Jersey, uh, I don't know New York's number, but New Jersey, we rest on, on average 94 people every day. So you do want to and necessarily need to tackle those issues. And I think that was a big part of our debate here in Jersey. That's what's going on there. But here's how I'm feeling about what's going on in New York. I hope they get it done. I know some people in New Jersey are like, oh, maybe they, they, they want us to delay it so we can get there first. I hope they get it done. I hope they get it done by the end of March. And I'm not worried about it from a competition perspective in New Jersey. Look, if they get it done in March, they still got to go through the same process. They got to go through regulatory process. They got to implementing language. If they probably won't come online until January 1st anyway. So when we pass it in November, and knowing that we have pretty much the blueprint for the implementing language that would be adopted in, say, January, February, we're going to be a month or two behind. But our industry is here right now and growing already with the eight license holders that are operating right now, the 36 that are come online. So we're really not going to feel much of any impact uh, on this. And, and we also have to talk about the tax rate. There's different tax rates. I'm not sure what New York's going to come up with finally for their tax rate, but our tax rate is going to be less than 7% yes. in New Jersey. And it's not less than 7% and we could change it tomorrow. It's less than 7% in the Constitution of the state of New Jersey. So from a competitive perspective, we don't raise taxes and add other fees to it. And we're going to have a cheaper uh, product anyway. I would venture to say that New Jersey is going to have the lowest cannabis tax rate in the country. Oh, absolutely. Based on that. But uh, one com another additional comment about um, the New York, New Jersey perspective is that New Jersey um, has flour and sells flour through its medical cannabis dispensaries. New York does not. And it does not have the, can uh, the flour distribution infrastructure that New Jersey has in place. So once New Jersey goes through its legal and legislative process, it has the dispensaries immediately available with flour to go out to the consumer. New York, and this can be for me personally, became a, uh, a very stark distinction when I walked into a major dispensary and there was no flour. It was only oils, um, and that's all that's available in the medical program. New York is going to be behind, maybe ahead of New Jersey in terms of passing the legislation, but they're going to be well behind New Jersey in terms of the implementation through the distribution of flour. So, oh, so yeah, um, the, the one thing about flour, so if you look all the way back to, say, 2014 when Colorado was the first state to legalize, um, flour sales were the majority. Um, I think you had, like, over 65% was flour, and then you had your edibles, your concentrates, your vapes, everything else. Um, as a market matures, we see that flip completely in the other direction, where now flour sales will count for 30-40%, and everything else is uh, processed products because consumers want, like I said before, harm reduction, safer products, edibles, discrete ways to dose, consistent, predictable results. So um, having processed products is actually going to be a huge advantage. Um, as people come online, flour is greatly fallen out of fashion. And that's proven by the statistics out in Colorado and California and slightly more mature markets out west. Yeah. So um, I want to thank both of you uh, for joining me this afternoon. If you have any other conclusive comments, for my part, um, I'm going to continue uh, educating myself by uh, going out to um, Illinois this weekend and then Colorado in February uh, to uh, speak with people in the industry and uh, 
take a look at dispensaries and cultivation facilities. So I can bring That's great. that knowledge um, to um, clients in the industry uh, as the market um, explodes in 2021. Yeah, I, I, that, that's great. And that's smart. And, and, you know, that's also one of the benefits to being in New Jersey right now, not being the first, uh, but coming at it, not, and not even being in the middle of the pack. We're yeah. still in the front end, as Tara was saying, the front, the front third. Um, by the time those, but we, we had the opportunity to learn lessons from other states, right? So whether we're talking about uh, lessons from laws and regulations, or we're talking about business operations, what has succeeded and failed. You know, so you go out to California and you're seeing a lot of these companies who you know, were successful for a while now trying to adapt to new regulations and they're failing, they're shuddering. Um, or there's so, or like places like Oregon where the, the proliferation of, of cannabis is so profound that prices just tank and people go out of business that way. You know, being here, being smart, being thoughtful uh, uh, through this process is really a big benefit. So, you know, Carl, thanks for having, uh, thanks for having us here. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Carl. This was great. Um, and I, I just want to say to anyone listening, please stay connected with us um, through NJCBA. We have monthly networking events. Scott and I are there. You know, come ask us questions. If you want to meet people in the industry, it's a great chance to meet people in New York, New Jersey, um, doing really exciting things in the space. And um, please check out NewJerseyCannabusiness.com and myself personally. If you want to follow me, reach out to me, all the social media on Blaze and Bakery. And also, if you're a fan of podcasts, please check out, I have one as well, on cannabis industry. Uh, Scott's been a guest. We have a lot of really interesting cannabis people coming on. It's uh, Trailblazing with Tiramisu. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this first joint podcast with Wendell's Marks and the New Jersey Cannabis Association, brought to you by us here at the Knowledge Group. I'd like to thank Carl, Scott, and Tara for their time on today's podcast. And just want to remind you that all of their information and their social media profiles are all found in the description box down below. You'll also find a link to Tara's Trailblazing podcast. We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and until next time, take care. Bye for now.